All right, tomorrow is the peak begins, which is our middle school summer camp. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, thank you to those who are going and serving, and it's going to be a great week. All right, what, what I'm going to uh, start out with today is I want to introduce you to a uh, challenge. If you don't like challenge, how about invitation? Opportunity. Um, during the month of August, so starting tomorrow, um, I want to invite you to uh, join us as a faith family in every day doing a prayer of benediction. And a benediction prayer is a prayer of affirmation. It's, it's a prayer of recognizing, calling out um, positive truths about, I mean, positive about God, but also what God thinks of us. And um, I know a few years ago, the elders uh, had me meet with a consultant just kind of evaluating my schedule and how I was investing and and uh, what are my gifts and abilities, and how do I function? And one of the things that the consultant said, which was not a shock to me, was, uh, you know, you need to think more highly of yourself. And, uh, I, you know, I, I know I'm hard on myself. I beat myself up all the time. It's an ongoing struggle. I have bad self-talk. I mean, all those things, all right? And so it's, it's been a growth my whole life. But one of the things he said is, you know, in the morning, if you do a bit of diction prayer, a prayer of affirmation, a prayer of recognizing who God is and who God made you to be. It, um, one of the reasons I think God tells us to do that is not because God needs positive you know, reinforcement to feel good about himself, but it's so that we can hear ourselves say truths to God and it changes how we think. And he said, and he said hey, there's studies on neuroplasticity that you can actually change um, your brain patterns if first thing in the morning, you get up and declare truths. And um, so I wanna invite you to do that. And we're gonna go through a prayer together and uh, you can do it individually, you can do it as a family. Do it on the breakfast table or do it at night at dinner. But, um, and ask your kids, like, of, of all these lines, what, what's the one that hits you the most? And what, why do you think you need to hear that and remember that? And just have conversations and then do this, do this together. And so um, we're going to do this prayer of affirmation, this prayer of um, this benediction prayer uh, together. And so if you can, can you stand with me? And um, we're going to put the prayer up on the screens. And we'll, and we'll read it and pray it together. Okay, here we go. Dear Father, you have created me for your glory. I am not what I have, what I do, or what people say. God, I am your child, and no one can take that away. There's nothing I can do to make you love me less or more. Jesus settled the score so I don't have to hurry or worry. I am known, loved, and forgiven. Heavenly Father, I rest in your love while courageously extending kindness to others. Amen. Amen, you can be seated. So um, you can pick a hard copy of this up on your way out right in the middle um, today, or you can get your phones out right now, it's allowed, and go to your camera and uh, take a picture of that um, QR code, and that will take you right to this and download it into your camera. Um, or you can go to rollinghills.org slash prayer, okay, slash prayer. 
and, and get that. But I invite you to, to do that um, with me this month. All right, now we're in the book of Acts. We're going to try to cover a lot of ground today because we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, and that is we're going to look at somebody in the book of Acts that I think is one of my greatest heroes in the Bible. And he's overlooked a lot. And, uh, and so we're just going to take a Sunday and look at how God worked through him, especially in lead. I, I think he's one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. In following Jesus, I think he's somebody who led like Jesus. You know, we, we want to think, love, and live like Jesus and reproduce that in the lives of others. And I think um, sometimes we think, but when it comes to leadership, I mean, there's my normal life, and then there's my life as a leader. And, uh, and I just want to say no. No, that, that's not right. We're, we're, we're disconnecting things that were never meant to be disconnected. There is you in your normal life, which is also your life as a leader. And uh, maybe you're a leader in your family, maybe you're a leader with friends. If you have influence on anybody, you're a leader. Maybe you've been given a position of leadership. And God says, this is how I want you to lead. And it's going to look differently than what we're told. Um, about leadership, and this is going to be a paradigm shift for us because, man, I've read, I've read a lot of books on leadership. I've uh, seen a lot of TED Talks. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and, um, and you hear a lot of, you know, some things that are really good and some things that aren't so good, but you hear a lot of things like, okay, you know, clear mission, clear vision. Um, are you strategic? Are you connecting the day-to-day uh, events that you're working on to the bigger picture, and how, how do you know that it's a direct line to those things? Um, do you have the right people on the bus? Uh, do you have the right people on the, in the right seats on the bus? Um, who are the right people that you should allow the bus to run over? I mean, there, there's, you know, there's a lots of input regarding leadership. And so um, I want you to know, as we go through this today, some of this, my, pray, my prayer is it creates dissonance in you is that um, it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, well, how does that jive with what I know about work and leadership? And some of it's not gonna seem maybe the right thing, but your life is a journey of faith. And there's a lot of things that God invites us into that at first seems like, well, that's out of my control. That's not, that's not right. That, 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 is, uh, that is just trusting something to get to someplace in a way that doesn't seem obvious. And um, that, our, that's a faith journey. I mean, if, if we're not taking risks and trusting God in our journey, then we're not living a faith journey with God. And it's true in leadership as well. So we're going to uh, step in this today, and we're going to learn... Um, for a man who's introduced to us in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And it says, Thus Joseph, and we don't know him as Joseph, but we, all, but we know him as his next name here, who was also car, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He's a Levite, a native of Cyprus. Okay, so Barnabas, his, the, the Greek name is actually Paracletus. What that means literally is to, he's one who comes alongside people and helps them stand. There, there's, that's a leader. I mean, that we can just say, done, boom. Come alongside others and help them stand. An encourager. Um, he 
He's a maximizer of people. Now, when I say that, we can go to a bad place in, okay, I know how to use people to maximize what I want to be accomplished. No, that's, that's using others. That's not, that's not encouraging others. But maximizing the sense of empowerment. And so Jesus was an empowering leader. God is an empowering God. That is his character. And so we need to reflect that in how we lead. Um, says he was a Levite. That means he was born of the family or the tribe that was set aside to do priestly functions. Okay, priestly functions in temple and in the synagogues. But he was living, he was born and raised in Cyprus, the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. So obviously his family was um, dispersed during either the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom, probably the southern kingdom of Judah, was conquered, okay? Assyria conquered the north, um, Babylon, Babylon conquered the south, people were taken off into captivity, and, and um, the Hebrew people were dispersed, and so they lived, it was called, it's known as the dispersia, it, it is how did, how did uh, the Hebrew people get dispersed all over the world? Well, that was one of the ways. Now, so he's from Cyprus, and so, um, and then he becomes a follower of Jesus, um, probably at, at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and um, he just goes all in. He, uh, anyway, we're, we're going to learn, we're going to jump through Acts, and we're going to pull um, principles out of his life that helps us see, okay, what does it mean to think, love, and lead like Jesus, and reproduce that in the lives of others? Okay, verse uh, 37, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so the following verses talk about Ananias and Sapphira that we studied and Jason taught us about um, about a month ago. And that was about uh, the fact that when the people of God in the church of God needed help financially in order to take care of the needs of what the church was doing, then um, people were selling and giving. People were, were selflessly generous to others. And, um, and Barnabas was one of those people. He sold some land probably back at his home in, in Cyprus, and he took everything, all the proceeds from the land, and gave it and dropped it at the apostles' feet. I mean, and so he didn't say, okay, here's what I'd like you to do with this. He said, um, I know the work of God needs this. I'm trusting you do with it um, as you think is fit or best for the, for the kingdom of God. And you contrast that to Ananias and Sapphira who said, um, yeah, I'm, we're giving you everything too. And, um, and they gave, but they just lied about what they gave. They didn't give it all. They kept some, some back for themselves. And so they were trying to make themselves out to see like something that they weren't, that they, and that's hypocrisy, doing something wrong and acting like you did, okay? And so um, Barnabas, on the other hand, was the real deal. And so here's the first thing that I'm pulling out of, what do empowering leaders look like? Well, empowering leaders are generous, generous. The, the, the generosity is the first step to being a servant leader. And, and you think, okay, now, um, does this reflect the heart of God? Yeah. I mean, the ultimate heart of generosity is God toward us. It's the heart of Jesus. Gave up 
the, um, the praise of heavens, where, where angels are praising him 24-7, and he hid his divinity inside humanity and was ridiculed and was poor and was made fun of and was beaten and was rejected and was crucified. Why? Because his heart for us was so great that he was willing to sacrifice. See, generosity um, means sacrifice. It means I give up something, something of value to me to benefit others. Time, talent, experience, wisdom. I give it up for others' good. I'm, I'm generous. Um, generosity is not giving my leftovers. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I'm full. Now, here, you can have this, okay? There's something nice in that and that you're not wasting your leftovers. But um, God's generosity, you look throughout the Bible. There's, I mean, there's lots of principles, but one of them is you give your first and your best. You give your first and your best. God was constantly in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible telling people, okay, I, I want the first of your harvest, the first and your best. Um, that's generosity. And what you're doing there is you're, you're doing two things. Number one, you're recognizing um, God is the source of my income. You know, and I've said this a lot, but a lot of times we think uh, Nike is the source of my income. Intel's the source of my income. You know, Providence or Legacy or, or the school district or these are all the source. No, that's not the source of your income. God is the provider. And so we're recognizing that you know, good and perfect gift that comes, comes to me, including resources, that, that is from the hand of God. And God, so I give you my first and my best back to you. Second thing I'm doing is I'm recognizing my dependences upon you. I, I'm depending upon you. I am not gonna trust in my ways of manipulating others so that I can make more money and that's gonna provide for my family. No, I'm, I'm going to, Say, God, I'm gonna follow you with my whole heart, my whole life, and I trust you to provide. And so that's what's giving your first and your best is. It's not saying at the end of the month, whatever's left over in the checkbook, that's what I'm gonna give. Now, um, there's some trust in that, but very little compared to, I'm gonna give you my first and my best. Off the top, God, what, what do you want me to give to you in the expansion of your kingdom? And how does that look? and I'm gonna give you my first and my best. And so that's um, something that Peter was doing. It's something that we're told to do throughout the Bible. I mean, it's something that grades against us. It's like, no, 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 it goes against leadership. I am to acquire. I am to gain power and influence. I'm not to give it away because that's the opposite. And God's saying, no, trust me, this is a faith journey. Um, you wanna be the greatest? Be the least. Serve others. And Barnabas, We'll see throughout this constantly does this. So how are you, I mean, one of the things that generosity does, it, it breaks our deepest bent. And our deepest bent for all of us is selfishness. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not selfish. I'm always, you know, I think really poorly of myself. And well, you know, even that is a form of selfishness because, you know, and, and I'm telling you, I, I struggle with that. But I'm also thinking, there's something in me is thinking, you know what, I, I deserve more gifts. I deserve more talents. Um, I deserve to be better than who I am. And, and so there's, this, there's a, a weird selfishness involved in, um, 
kind of my shame. Um, and so we, but it's a bent in us. You know, it's like first, there's a change that happens in life and it's going to impact you. It's going to impact people around you. Who's the first person you're thinking of? It's like, well, how's this going to impact me? And it's, we go there. Generosity helps break that bent. And Jesus was generous. Generous with himself, generous with all he had and all he was. Okay, so now, um, so how are you doing with that? Are you growing in your generosity? Um, this would be a day for you to mark down and say, I'm going to start aligning my actions with my good intentions. When it comes to generosity, a lot of times we fall back on, well, I have good thoughts about it. We need to act on the thoughts. And that's how we think, love, and live like Jesus. Okay, um, Saul, now we're, we're up to uh, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. And uh, Saul, who was persecuting Christians, actually had some Christians killed that he hunted down because he was a Jewish zealot. He, he, he was strongly committed to um, uh, the Hebrew Bible and, and, and all the rest of the stuff they added to the Hebrew Bible and their way of living. And he was seeing Christianity as a threat to that. And so he was hunting Christians down and killing them. And then the hunter and persecutor of Christians became a Christian. Saul trusted in Jesus. And now he comes to the leaders of the church and said, hey guys, I'm one of you. And so chapter nine, verse 26 says, and when he, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him. Yeah, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. This is a trick. You're trying to infiltrate us and then we're all gonna be arrested and killed. In verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so here's the second thing about empowering leaders. Empowering leaders courageously advocate for others. Courageously advocate for others. Now Barnabas did not know Paul, who his name was Saul. He knew of Saul. And so now he's telling them part of of Paul's story. How could he have done that? Because even though he didn't know him, he chose to spend time with him, to listen to him, to hear his story. He was willing to trust him, if it made sense, after hearing his story. And so he stepped into that and he advocated um, on behalf of Paul in spite of Paul's past. I mean, no doubt, Barnabas had maybe friends or family who were hunted down by Saul. I mean, that right there, I mean, we just mark that up as unforgivable. We're not, we're not, a, we're not a real forgiving people. We, we like to think we are, but nowadays it's just like, hey, is there anything in your past that you ever said or ever did that is, is you know, not looked upon as really bad today? And if there ever was ever, then you are now canceled. We, we just, you know, we move on from you. You're canceled. Boom, done. Man, aren't you glad people aren't doing that to you? You know, digging into your past, because we'd all be canceled. Okay, we'd just be a bunch of group of canceled people. 
And that's how we're kind of operating today. And Barnabas says, no, 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 no. Um, I'm willing to forgive your past based upon who you are today. And so I'm not gonna be stupid, but I'm willing to listen and learn and see if you've changed. And, uh, and he did. And so then he goes to the other apostles and the other leaders in Jerusalem and says, I vouch for him. I think he's the real deal. We, we should allow him um, to join us. And as a result of that, as a result of Barnabas advocating for Paul, he was accepted in and he was allowed to minister and allowed to move alongside them and have an impact on the world. Could do you imagine what would happen if Barnabas did not step in and advocate for Paul and if Paul was never recognized and never trusted? I mean, all the, the churches that were established throughout the book of Acts in Asia and Europe, the majority of those may not have had the impact that they did or even were started because Paul was used in doing that. 13 of the, the books of the Bible, of the New Testament, 13 of them were written by Paul. Man, so you think of the impact of Barnabas, a person who empowered other people. And part of that empowerment was courageously advocating for somebody who was a train wreck in the past and he says, no, I, I think he deserves a second shot. By the way, what's ironic here is uh, Paul ends up joining with Barnabas and they minister together. And then they're sent off the first missionary journey. With them is a, a young guy who's kind of a protege of theirs that they're kind of learning to lead or teaching to lead. And his name's John Mark. And pretty quickly um, in that missionary journey, John Mark says, hey, guys, I, I got to go. I don't know why. We don't really understand exactly what all the reasons behind it. But he goes back to Jerusalem. Missionary journey continues. They get back. It's time for missionary journey number two. So who's going to join us on the team? Barnabas says, oh, I'm going to go back and get John Mark and have him join us. Paul says, uh, no. You know, burn me once. He's not going to burn me twice. And John Mark says, no, he, we, we need to give him a second chance. Uh, if you remember, somebody between the two of us got a second chance. <laughs> and Paul said, yeah, no, no, not going to do it. Now, there's thinking, I mean, there's, there's could be some good reasons behind that in that thinking. But I bet you Barnabas talked to John Mark and said, okay, what's going on? Where are you at? Um, why should we give you a second chance? Because that's what he did with Paul. And John Mark said, no, we need to give him a second chance. And, and, and it divided them so much so that they said, okay, we're going to do a second missionary journey, but Paul, you do yours, Barnabas is doing his. And we don't hear much about Barnabas anymore in the, in the book of Acts. Why? Because Luke went with Paul. Who's Luke? Luke's the one right in Acts. So we don't know all what happened. Okay, so who was right, Paul or Barnabas? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, towards the end of Paul's life, He's writing another young protege of him named um, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, he says this. Luke alone is with me. Now get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Who's Mark? It's John Mark. So somewhere along the line, they had reconciled. Somewhere along the line, they had ministered together. Somewhere along the line, Paul recognized, no, Mark's legit. He's the real deal. I can trust him to where he's um, older, 
He's in the last season of his ministry, and uh, he needs to be ministered to, and he's saying, I need John Mark. It's pretty cool, isn't it? John Mark, by the way, he's the one, the book of Mark about the life of Jesus that we just studied for a year, written by John Mark. Barnabas advocated for people who, be, who needed second chances. And uh, I mean, here, here's the deal. If you do that, if you are willing to, um, to trust in others and help them fly so they can fly, occasionally you're going to see crash landings. If you don't ever want to see a crash landing, then you'll never trust somebody to fly. Barnabas is saying, uh, that's just part of the deal. I, I'm, I'm going to invest myself in others and I'm going to see some of them fly and I'm going to see others crash. And when they crash, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, you made a fool of me. I'm going to say, okay, let's live and learn and let's take another shot at it. That, I want to be a Barnabas. I mean, parents, let's be Barnabases. Let, let's, let's give responsibility to our kids. Let's let them... Um, you know, that are age appropriate and um, let them fly. And when they crash, we, uh, you know, we're, the world isn't ruined. The rest of their life isn't over, but actually it's an opportunity to learn. Maybe you need to scale back a little bit on, on what you're giving this responsibility to until they, they learn and they grow in it. And then you give them more and more and more and they start flying more. But we need to be willing to trust others and empowers others, empower others to fly and believe that they can fly, even though on occasion there'll be crash landings. Okay, Acts chapter 11 now. Um, uh, after Paul goes to Jerusalem and he starts ministering and Barnabas is there, um, all of a sudden now the, the, the good news of Jesus is spreading out and it's going up into Asia, up to a place called Antioch. And we're gonna show a map here of where Antioch is. Okay, towards the bottom, green dot, that's Jerusalem, right at the very bottom of the map. Now, if you go up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, up north, you see Syrian Antioch. Antioch um, became a really big city, a big um, cosmopolitan city, trading city in the Roman Empire. In fact, it was, it was called the third city. Only behind Rome um, in Italy and Alexandria in Egypt, the third city was Antioch. A um, lot, you know, lot, lot of leaders, a lot of movers and shakers, a lot of successful business people. It was known to be a place where like moral restraint was not really a thing, okay? That they were movers and shakers and um, vulgar. The word of, uh, the good news of Jesus is getting up there. Many of these Gentiles at Antioch, cosmopolitan, are, are becoming followers of Jesus. And so the church there is growing. But they're also going, hey, you know, totally into Jesus. But you're trying to make us also kind of have these Jewish traditions and, and rituals. And, and it, it just seems like that's a cultural thing. And so the church of Antioch is pushing back, saying, hey, um, Jesus, yes. But it seems like you're trying to make us like you in ways that are more cultural or traditional than really Jesus thinks. And so Church of Jerusalem, Jewish, is thinking, are they off the rails? Are they really followers of Jesus? Barnabas, go up there and check it out I, you know, and report back to them. Or do we need to shake our dust, the dust off our feet and say, you guys are just crazy? Or 
are they legit? So he goes up in uh, chapter 11, verse 23. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. This is Barnabas. When he came and saw the grace of God in the people of Antioch, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Man, I, I just love Barnabas, because this is what he did. An empowering leader doesn't get hung up on, non, on non-essentials. Doesn't get hung up on non-essentials. Now, Barnabas was a Jew. He went up into this new church in a different culture, and no doubt they were doing things that he, it wasn't just his favorite. I mean, you know, I, I don't know all the different things, but here, I'm guessing. You know, they, they probably wore different things. They didn't wear what the Jews wore or the religious, the Jewish leaders in the church were wearing. They probably wore different things. They probably ate different food, guaranteed. That, that they were, um, I don't know, that they, they were always late and never ended on time. Uh, they wrote their own songs. You know, they danced while they worshiped. Uh, they belonged to different political parties. Uh, you know, I don't know, I'm just guessing. But, um, but they were different, different in ways that my tradition and people like me, we don't do those things. Does God say don't do those things? No, but our tradition or our culture says don't do those things. And Barnabas said, God's at work here, carry on. Don't worry about it. Keep doing what you're doing. Love that, love that. He didn't get hung up with the non-essentials. See, um, we, we drift towards what's comfortable to me, and then what's comfortable for me, I will make it a dogma. And that's sin, my sin. That's wrong. I'm making something that God did not declare black and white, and I'm, I'm making a cultural thing that I'm comfortable with black and white. And that's wrong. Man, people are going to be different. What, what he did is he said, um, I'm going to defend the right to be different. Now, if God's clear on it and it's wrong, then I'm, I'm standing up to that. But there's lots of things that God says isn't wrong. It's in this world of gray. It is um, something that you're allowed your conscience to figure out, and, um, and you're going to land at different places. And, um, and so I'm going to land. But if I'm judging everybody else who lands differently than where I'm at, I'm wrong. All right? And so he didn't do it. He saw God's, God was at work, and he says, go for it. Okay, so here it is. Um, empowering leaders, encouraging parents, don't confuse I don't like with God doesn't like. Don't confuse I don't like with God doesn't like. Don't confuse my preference with my righteousness. I like going to church that does this and this and this. Um, that church over there doesn't do this and this and this, which isn't sacraments, which isn't, which isn't part of what God says a church should do. It's just how they're doing it. It's differently. Doesn't make them wrong. Doesn't make this right. It's different. My differences that I prefer is not to be confused with my righteousness. What I like isn't to be confused with what God likes, but defend the right to be different. And that's what, that's what Barnabas did. Okay, so after checking out the church of Antioch, Barnabas says, I wanna, I wanna stay here. And so he starts ministering there. He goes, um, 
a ways away to a place called Tarsus. That's where Paul is. And he says, Paul, come hang out with me and, and serve at Antioch. And so that's what they did. The, the hub of the church moves from Jerusalem up to Antioch. And for the rest of the, of the New Testament, for the rest of um, the book of Acts, uh, people and leaders are being sent out of not from Jerusalem, but from Antioch into the world. That's where Paul and Barnabas were sent out from, what was, was Antioch. And so they served together. And as they served, listen to this in um, uh, 15, verse 35. But, nope, hold it. 13, verse 1. 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Okay, so who was leading the church? Barnabas, Simeon, who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, which is cool, and Saul. When um, people are listed out in the Bible, it always means something. And the order always means something. The first is the most prominent. Who's the most prominent leader? Barnabas. But then as they go on in, in, in chapter 14, verse 13, Barnabas and Paul are mentioned, but it's Barnabas and Paul. In chapter 15, verse 12, it's Barnabas and Paul. And then they serve together, and, and Barnabas is listed first always. And, and then all of a sudden, God starts working through Paul in, in more and more powerful ways. And all of a sudden, he's healing people, and, and, and he's giving powerful messages, and more and more people are coming to place their trust in Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 15, verse 35, but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, and are with many others also. And from then on, is Paul and Barnabas. What happened? Empowering leaders lift others into the spotlight. Lift others into the spotlight. This, we, we don't get this. We don't do this. Because we just think, any opportunity I have to grab the spotlight, any, of the, any opportunity I have to grab more influence, affluence, um, power, control, I need to just step into that. In fact, I'm going to behind the scenes kind of manipulating things and so I can... Put myself in a better position. And, and Barnabas is saying, ultimately, if I want to be a leader that reflects the heart of God, I'm going to be looking, how can I help others shine? How can I help others shine? That's what he did with Paul. How can I put other people in places where they're going to soar? I mean, when do I need to step back? Because somebody has the potential to be a much greater leader than I do. And I need to make space for them so that they can become all that God wants them to be. That's what a good leader does. Um, verse, let's see, chapter uh, Matthew 20, 26 to 28. This is Jesus' words. It, sh it's so, it shall not be so with you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever must be first, or wants to be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. You want to think, love, and live like Jesus? You want to think, love, and lead like Jesus? You serve. You serve others. You, you, you are willing to step back and demote yourself for the benefit of others. John the Baptist, 
when he was promoting, hey, the Messiah is coming, and then he saw Jesus, and he said, Messiah is here, what did he say? I must decrease so you can increase. That's the heart and the mind of a leader that's reflecting the character of God in Jesus Christ. That's what Barnabas did. What is the kingdom leadership goat? You know, greatest of all time. The goat is a servant. The goat is somebody who lifts other people up. The goat is somebody um, intentionally steps back and gives so that he can give other people space to shine and fly. That's, that's leadership like Jesus. You want to be great? Well, then who are you serving? Who, who are you making space for? Who are you giving opportunity to soar and to shine? Help prepare others to step ahead of you. Help prepare others to step ahead of you. If we are so concerned about how can we get the spotlight on us, then we're not doing it. We need to be thinking, how can I give up the spotlight for the benefit of others and for the good of others. I mean, if, if, there's, if I'm the leader and I am, but this person can become a better leader than me, then this place is better if they have my leadership and that person's leadership. And so let's do it. Let's do it. So how can you let other... By the way, that's parenting, isn't it? This is parenting. This is one-on-one in parenting. I'm going to raise my children so I can let them go and fly. I'm raising them with the end of mine. I'm raising them so they can be um, adults that trust in God and make good decisions and benefit the lives of others. And so that means when they're really young, I, I have a lot of control, I have a lot of influence, and I'm giving them little decisions and little responsibility that's age appropriate so that they can learn to make good decisions and shine. And, and as my goal is as they get older, I'm giving them more freedom so that they can make good decisions and shine. And remember, when I give them freedom to fly, there's going to be some crash landings, and so that doesn't defeat the plan. That I used to tell my kids, you know, kids, you are actually teaching me how to treat you. And I want to give you as much freedom as I can. Um, and you make good decisions, man, you're just encouraging me to to give you more freedom. You make bad decisions, it's gonna take it back a little bit until I know that uh, the freedom I'm giving you is not gonna be fatal. But you're just gonna fall off a curb or fall off a ledge and maybe, you're, maybe there's gonna be a broken bone, maybe there's gonna be a turned ankle, I'm gonna give you that freedom. But uh, my goal is eventually you learn good decisions, bad decisions. You learn, you feel consequences of bad decisions. You feel the pain. I'm not going to protect you from the pain. And over time, you're going to learn to fly. And I'm going to be good with letting go. And that's, that's parenting. It takes sacrifice. It means you lose control. It means you lose authority. You lose influence. But it's all for the better of someone else. That is a godly leader. That's Barnabas. I mean, one of my heroes in the Bible kind of a hidden hero, but it's one man that we say, oh, I want to be more like Barnabas. How are you empowering people around you? Let me tell you this, and this is true 
but it's also uh, my journey. The more I am, I am secure in God's love for me, um, which means the less insecure I am, the better leader I am. Because I'm willing to let other people shine. I'm willing to get behind and, and give them opportunities to shine. I'm willing to step back and not need the affirmation of others because I'm secure in who I am in Jesus. And so it all begins with our relationship with God. It's one of the reasons why we're doing this prayer of benediction. It's just to remind ourselves of how great God is and how humble I need to be to be in his presence and yet blessed because of his love for us. Increases my security, decreases my insecurity, increases my ability to empower others. Now, um, okay, let's not, let's not let this slip now. Has God been talking to you? I mean, is there something that's just been driven home that it's like, okay, maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but it hit home, and I thought to myself, oh, this is God, and then I quickly went, la, 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 la. You know, I mean, what was it? You know, I, so let's take this serious. I, I think that's the Holy Spirit talking to you, just like the Holy Spirit talked to Barnabas. That's the God of the universe talking to you. And so now let's take it out of the good intention category and say, how do I trust you, God, and start following you with that? What does that look like this week? Let's bow our heads, and I just want to give you a second just to talk to God about that. And maybe you uh, have been here or you're here today for one of the first times and um, you're getting a clear picture of who God is and it's kind of blowing your mind. This is so different than the values and the way of living that we hear you know, promoted all around us. And maybe for you, this is just ringing so true. and you're recognizing God's love and pursuit of you. And so I, I invite you today that if, if you're ready, would you be willing to surrender your heart to God and say, you're God, I am not, and I'm willing to trust in you. And I, I wanna thank you for your forgiving me. And if that's where you're at, then let's pray. Let's just talk to God and say, God, I, I thank you for what you've been doing in my life in making me more aware of you. And I recognize it's been you that's been pursuing me. And so I want to place my trust and my hope in you and what you've done so that I can be forgiven of being selfish and being just focused on myself. And so I, I ask for forgiveness. And I thank you for making me now part of your family. And I ask you to, to continue to help me to grow and understand who you are 
as well as who you've made me to be. And it's in your name I pray, amen. Father, I pray for each person here. And um, I know that you've been talking to people today um, because this is, this is challenge, challenges our, our mind and our thinking regarding not only how we live, but, but our influence and how we lead and how I see leadership. And so I, I pray for each person who, who moves from the good intention and, and good understanding and good thinking to good living and good leading, that you would bless them as they take steps of faith, that you would give them a sense of this is right and good and I trust you, God. I'm gonna trust you with my first and my best, not my leftovers. I'm going to get my eyes off of myself and on those around me who I can help encourage and make better and empower. Thank you for um, your care for us, your leading us, your gentleness, and your encouragement. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, if, if you pray to accept Christ today, place your trust in him, um, just quickly, after we're done here, if you could walk out into the middle, there's a, a station there. We just have some information we want to get into your hand that's, that's going to help you grow in this relationship with God. It'll just take a second. It won't be weird. It won't be uncomfortable. It'll just take 30 seconds of your time. So go to the middle station and, and do that. If you're online, go to rollinghills.org slash next steps. Um, fill out the information there, and we will send that, um, that information to you as well. Now we're going to continue to worship.